Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Infinite Boost podcast. Last week was a great episode with Raptor, and he was kind enough. He, he mentioned that he had been uh, talking to some higher level players as he's gotten better, and he suggested that player come on, and Red Snow was nice enough to join me for an episode of the show. So, uh, Red Snow, thank you so much for being here. Oh, yeah, I appreciate you having me. It's an awesome opportunity that Raptor presented, and I instantly said yes. <laughs> To joining good well i am i am uh, equally grateful that you are willing to come share some time with me so uh per usual why don't you tell me a little bit about how you found the game of rocket league what got you into the game and and what really hooked you with the game of rocket league yeah so in about late 2018 let's say right around december is when i started playing the game i remember a buddy on xbox of mine was playing it and we, he was on like gold at the time so that definitely made an interest. And I remember specifically the week after I was going on like a family vacation and we're heading up there and that's when the Manfield 5k came out from Johnny boys thing. And instantly I just fell in love with one V ones. I'm like, it's the only person I have to worry about. Like it's, I, I just knew for some reason that it was the best way to get better. And I really ran with that. Um, I remember that whole vacation. It was snowing. It was during winter. <clears throat> I was playing the whole week. I was just waiting for those videos to come out every single day and I was just playing one V ones. And then like the thing that really excited me about the game in any kind of game mode was the angles. Um, whether it was like up in the air and you had to drop it down, it was just like figuring out the angle. And like, that's what really drove me to like the game is how to hit that angle and then how to like calculate it. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's a really interesting thing that, you know, to really focus on early on and, and what a really good thing. I feel like, one of the things that people take for granted, and I will not generalize because I will say one of the things that I took for granted the most was being able to read the ball and hit different angles and hit different shots. And, and that just leads to having so much better accuracy and understanding of the game. I feel like that really has probably helped you be quite successful at the game as you continue to play. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, all the angles made sense to me. I'm like, oh, I, I know what side I have to hit the ball. And it's like, okay, now how can I go up in the air as a plat <laughs> trying to air roll or just even get, like, an angled touch on it? That was that was the part that really drove me to, like, the game was spending hours trying to get control in the air or the ground or whatever. So as a new player, how did you focus on working on that? How did you spend time doing that in training packs or free play? What did you do to get better at it? So... I tried to think of the best way to get better. And in my mind, I was thinking, hey, like there's already people out here that are top 100 or like as best as they can. So I started following them, whether it was Twitch streams, YouTube. Um, a lot of them had content on like what they were working on. I'm like, if these guys are working on it, then I could too. There's no reason that wouldn't work for me. So I just mm -hmm. kind of followed them and tried to replicate. And that was in 2018, right? So you started playing the game a couple years after it came out. Yeah, no, I... Um, I Almost about three years ago now, maybe like a week before, but I, I'm technically late in terms of like other high level people. Mm -hmm. So I'm playing catch up a little bit. And and you said it was your friend that told you about the game? Yeah, he he was about gold at the time. And I, I'm not even kidding. I think after a week, I spent so much time in the game. I was already plat close to diamond. Like I, I was just already on the way. <laughs> through the ranks i'm like this game makes sense to me i love grinding it it makes sense i just have to put the time in for the mechanics what kinds of games did you play prior to rocket league 
Uh, I played a lot of Call of Duty, uh, GTA, some horror games like Dying Light, uh, Dead by Daylight. Um, honestly, a whole genre. But once I started playing Rocket League, I, all those games kind of stopped for a while. And would you say that Rocket League still holds a lot? Like, do you still put a lot of hours into Rocket League or has it slowed down recently? What kind of time do you put into the game these days? These days, not as much as I'd like to. Um, there's been some other stuff coming up in my life, but I I would want to spend more time. Uh, recently, I've been trying to scout out some like college offers too, because mm-hmm. it is something I want to be kind of prominent in my life. I feel like I could go somewhere with it. Mm-hmm. So, sure. Well, I mean, hopefully that works out for you. And just just so everybody knows, because I don't think that we've gotten to it. What rank are you in Rocket League? Where whereabouts do you land rank wise? So I am, with the new ranking system coming out a couple seasons ago, I'm typically SSL in 1s, 2s, and 3s, um, right around like 2K MMR. And then in 1s, I'll be a little bit right around top 100 if I'm grinding it. If I'm mm-hmm. not, I'm probably like 14, 1500. So would you still say that you hold the opinion that 1s is the best way <clears throat> to improve? Oh, for sure. I, I think if you just want to focus on yourself, it's like – it's almost refining your mechanics and the game sense and then bringing it into a team environment. It's like, I know what I can do. Now, how can I work around other people? I feel like having that beforehand is so much better than the other way around. Mm -hmm. So when you first started playing ones, when you first started playing the game, what were, what were the things that you would work on and what were the kind of, I guess, deficiencies that you noticed in your game that, were some of the first things that you really started to clean up and and helped you see that improvement so quickly? Yeah, so the first couple of ranks that I was in was like plat, plat or gold right off the bat. And what one thing I had really noticed right away was that they struggled with was hard shots. Uh, whether you're banging it top of the backboard from them in their backwards, they people really struggle with that, even at higher ranks too. So that was something I really tried to get. It was like, how can I get a consistent hard touch wherever I want it? And, and how shot. did you how did you work on that? Uh, some of the training packs and really just free play. Um, trying to hit the ball as hard as I can and then follow it up again and then follow it up again. <laughs> yeah. Did the same exact thing, yeah. I feel – how much time did you spend or how did you like break up your time in Rocket League? Because I'm, I'm sure – I mean there are a lot of people that will spend months kind of in that range of – starting the game and trying to get to silver or gold and you said you got to plat in like a couple of weeks so were you spending much time uh actually playing games or was it mostly training or was it just because you spent so much time playing the game that you were able to rank up so fast uh, honestly a little bit of everything like there would be days where i wouldn't play ranked i know people hop on and they they're like oh, i don't really want to do free play right now so i'd have a day where i'd spend a couple hours in free play and the next day i would just grind ranked all day because i'm like mm. i i have what i need for the next rank per se it's just putting it into practice um mm-hmm. that was what my sessions were consisted of it's like if i feel something is lacking i'm going to work on it until i know that it's good enough for the next rank How do you how do you think you were able to come about always finding those things to work on? A lot of it was just watching pro play. Um, 
just looking at what they're doing. Not some of the stuff I couldn't do because it was just too advanced. I've been playing the game for a couple of years at that point, so I couldn't do it. But there was some stuff that it was like, hey, I, I try that in my game and I miss a lot. Like, what is this guy doing differently? I, I would have credited a lot of it to just trying to replicate pro play and picking out people that I wanted to play similar to. I remember Fairy Peak being one of those people, just like really calculated, not that flashy, but always purposeful with the ball. Mm-hmm. And now where you're at, like, would you can would you consider yourself a mechanical player? Like, how are you with the more advanced mechanics? <laughs> it's funny. I always get made fun of by my friends for not calling myself a mechanical player because, like, in their eyes, I am. But it, where my rank, I I wouldn't say I am. I'm more of a game sense kind of person. Being like 1900 2K, I I rely a lot more on what to do with the ball instead of like what like what I can do with it. More so positioning. Mm-hmm. So flip resets, uh, things of that nature. I mean, I'm guessing being at at 2K, those are probably pretty much in your wheelhouse, though. Yeah, no, I, I can I can pull them out whenever. It's just I don't tend to do that because that's not something that I'm excel at in my rank or like I'm known for or or the better half, I guess. Mm-hmm. So let me, this is something I'm curious about and I, I haven't been able to talk to somebody that high in rank to actually like, because I'm just kind of hypothesizing for myself because I sit around like right now I'm probably like mid champ three. Um, so I have no idea what it is to actually live the life of somebody with, you know, the skill that you have. Um, I feel there are so many players in like the, the plat diamond gold area that are working on flip resets that are working on ceiling shots, all of those like more advanced mechanics. And I don't, do you watch much rocket league content? Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Okay. Cause I think it was sunless that made that video where he had lower rank players do the mechanics that they say that they could do and they couldn't really do them. Um, but I, I feel like once you get to a rank like where you're at, those mechanics become a lot easier to get better at simply because they're these underlying mechanics that you're just a lot better at. Like you just have better car control. You have better understanding of how to read the ball and control the ball and and all of those things. So adding in a flip reset or a double flip reset or getting good at ceiling shots, those things just are much easier to learn and get better at because you already know how to do put all the puzzle pieces together. Yeah, no, I would 100% agree with that. Actually, a lot of it is just first touches and knowing like what should come from this this rollout or something. So yeah, I I think that's a really good take. Okay, well that's somewhat reassuring. I'm still not <laughs> going to be able to do them, but it I I feel like that's the case, but. You know, it's it's hard to it's hard to really know since I mean, I guess I don't want to sit here acting like I know because I'm nowhere near like where you're at. So I I think and and one of the things that is really curious to me is just the difference in between the different ranks. But then at the same time, how subtle the differences become, but how much more important they are if that makes sense uh like 
when I was when I was like trying to push into GC last season, the difference in between where I was in terms of like thirteen seventy and fourteen thirty, there's not that big of a difference in between the skill. But every single time I would get to fourteen thirty or fourteen forty and just get into that bottom part of GC one, I couldn't necessarily put together a a win streak to really solidly get grand champ. You know, I feel like I could win those games, but there was just one little thing that would go wrong and I would not be able to put together a win streak. Do you like how how do you find those subtleties in between the different ranks? And, and it might not be as easy for you to articulate because you've been SSL since SSL was a thing like you've been at those higher ranks. But how how can people like find those little things that can really help them? get into the next rank, especially as they become more and more subtle. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so I, I would say me climbing the ranks is a bit more recent than most players. That's what I was talking about. Cause I've only been playing for three years and three years sure. is a long time, but the game's been out for that long and I'm already close ish to the top. Um, so I, I, it's actually a pretty laid out. Like I, I could kind of lay it out of where the ranks are um, from like champ three to GC. It's, it's all about consistency. Whenever I play against a champ three versus a GC, there's been champ threes that are better than GCs. Like that's that's just it happens all the time, and it's because they're less consistent. That's about it. Um, that rank specifically. Uh, a lot of time it's just getting that one percent better in my mind. Um, whether it's one percent better at aerials, one percent better at flicks, getting that tiny percent better will always dramatically improve. Because getting one percent better over a thousand opportunities in the next ten games is a hundred more or not 100, but like 10 opportunities where you're taking. So it's just getting that little edge on something. It doesn't have to be something you're great at, but if you're okay at it, you just keep improving by a little bit. And it can definitely help. So when you say that 1%, and I guess where I go when it comes to like getting 1% better, I always think more on the mechanical side of the game. Yeah, would you, would you when you say that, like, would you say that's the case, or would you also consider part of that being like just the game sense or decision making? I think it can tie into both. Um, at my rank, I've seen people completely disregard just like decision making and just be extremely mechanical. Um, the the issue with that is though, if you're not on a level like AJ, it's it's hard to put that into practice because you have so many times to practice your mechanics, but if it's not up to a certain level, there's no scoring opportunity. Mm -hmm. But for positioning, it's what, what should I have done with the ball? And like, what is the best option? That's how I consider decision-making is because a lot of time people do something that's eh or like, okay, or maybe it's good, but it's not the best option. And I, I think that's over a lot of replay analysis that I've done. That's what I've seen from pros is that like they consistently do the best option a lot better. Right. I think that's one thing that I've noticed in my own games, and I think I might have said this in, in the Raptor episode as well, is that right now I feel like where my game's at, I'm making pretty good decisions, but that when it comes to me actually doing something with the ball, the thing that I want to do, I can't actually do. And so that turns into a turnover or a bad possession or a bad touch that can lead to something that isn't necessarily advantageous for my team. So I'm making good decisions, 
But at the same time, I'm kind of making a bad decision because I'm wanting to try to do something that I can't necessarily fully execute. Yeah. So that in itself is kind of a, a bad decision. But um, when it like when you look at pros or maybe people that are more successful in the game, it also comes down to them just, I guess, sticking in their wheelhouse, like sticking to the things that they know. Yeah, no, I think there's that. I think there's a level of simplicity. Um, I don't know if you watch you at all. Do you know uh, Monkey Moon? Do you watch him a lot? Uh, I mean, by watch him, does he stream? No, no, just just in terms of like the championships or like oh, lands. I, I mean, I enjoy watching BDS because I mean they're just BDS. Yeah, that's, they're just better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, one thing that I've noticed a lot from him is that he is. He's kind of similar to Fairy Peak in level of simplicity. Like he has all that stuff in his wheelhouse. He can do it, but he simply chooses not to because mm-hmm. it's just not effective. I feel like that's what EU has really come to be is like not just being the most effective they can. Yeah, they can go for stuff. If they're feeling a play, like I've seen uh, Psycho or Archie go for these plays, but most of the time they're playing simple because it works. Yeah. They're just not making mistakes. That's how they're bettering their opponents is they're just not making mistakes. So you feel like in a right now, they do too much. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I've seen a couple of pros on streams. I think Garrett was talking about that. Uh, Justin too. Like it's, it's easier to replicate simplicity, mm-hmm. but if any is popping off, then I think they're taking wins a lot more, right. but that's the thing. If they're having a, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, I don't know. <clears throat> well, I think, I think, you know, to that point, there is, and again, I feel like I, I talked to somebody about this recently, looking like really watching the grand finals of the major, the, excuse me, the big difference that I saw in between the teams was really that BDS was getting really good second touches or extra touches that would beat NRG. They weren't anything fancy. They weren't anything crazy but they were enough to really throw them off when NRG would think BDS was going to go for a shot. They would go for an extra touch off the back wall. They would go for a pass and that would turn into a much easier shot where NRG would go for a ceiling touch or they would go for a flip reset or they would go for a touch. And those touches didn't necessarily have a lot of purpose or anything behind them. And it would be, somebody from BDS would be right there after that touch to clean it up and get a clear or take possession. Like it was a clear difference in between overall game or team play style that led to BDS having so much success in that series. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's a really good point actually is that BDS kept the ball a lot closer and they just got like those simple good touches and then energy kept going for the long run. How, how far can we dribble this and try to get over a couple people? And BDS know how to collect that. They know how to send one guy, barely drive next to the ball, and then he throws it to the second guy. Like, that's that's what they're good at, is pressuring off each other and playing midfield. So. I'm, I'm trying to formulate a question of... Because, you know, there's always the conversation, there's always the uh, back and forth about the difference in between... Uh, mechanics and game decisions and how like which one is more important or so many people will label themselves as a mechanics person or a 
um, you know, game sense person as opposed to like one or the other. Which do you think is more valuable in the long term of growth in the game of Rocket League? I would think that game sense is something that you should be working on first because that can always kind of like level up. Um, In terms of mechanics, if, I don't know, say you're not hitting your shots that day, you can go into free play and just work on your shots. Like, you know what the problem is with game sense. It's, it's honestly all about watching pros or trying to articulate it. Like people are always trying to like rebrand or like refine their game sense when mechanics, it's pretty straightforward. It's like, Oh, like why did I just throw that ball on the ground and not get the flip reset? And then you go into free play for an hour and fix it. But game, game sense, if you have it early, it only gets better. Mm-hmm. And so how how do you think one finds better game sense? Be, I feel like, and I will speak from my own personal experience, game sense or really understanding the intricacies of games in general has always been something that I struggled with. Um, any game, like I understand the basics of it, but when it comes to really understanding at a deep level, I'm just it comes very slowly to me or not at all. So how does, how does one learn how to be mechanical or not mechanical, but like get good game sense or understand the game at a deep level? How can you practice that if it's not something that just comes naturally to you? One of that is just playing. Um, I know it sounds really simple, but I'll explain it is if you're constantly playing second man and you're like, oh, like, why does the ball keep going behind me? Then you want to kind of adjust that and start moving back every time you move up the field with your first man. Um, you can you can do that by playing a long time over a long time and saying, like, if you get 100 results out of where you are and you get 80 bad ones, then you know that's probably a bad thing that you're doing. And then you kind of look at it and you're like, why is this bad? Or you get kind of a feeling over time. You're like, I didn't like that play because it felt weird. Um, some people are more in tune to that than others, but – you can also just by watching pros. The problem with that though is they're they're so far ahead, and what they're doing is usually like calmed that it's hard to find out what to do without. So I, I think both options are good for finding better game sense. A lot of it is speed too. Um, people know where to be, and they're just not comfortable with reading the play fast enough. They're like they're not anticipating. Um, I've seen a lot of that in like the champ to low GC level. Is that they're they're pretty good. Like people at that rank are good. They're just kind of scared to anticipate and be a little faster and try to mm-hmm. get it from the opponent. That's a that's a great point. So add a, go a little bit deeper on that one because I think obviously one of the biggest things, the, the biggest differences in between the, the play levels or the rank levels is speed of play and then being able to, on top of that, be consistent at that speed, right? Like consistency is the biggest thing going back to what you said about GC, but the biggest thing could be in between a champ three and a GC is just being able to be consistent at the different speed. So as you are ranking up and you know, somebody might have a really good training regimen that gets them to champ two or champ three, but then once they want to get that two or 3% better, that could, that could really just mean, you know, they have to change their training to be able to get that little bit faster to be comfortable. So how, how do you 
rank up your training so that you can get faster at the game. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to bring in the concept of like floor and ceilings. Cause if you were, if you're trying to get faster at the game, I would say you need to raise your ceiling. Um, you want to start implementing stuff that like really drives your car kind of weird. And you're like, why can I not get to this ball? And you want to just keep hammering on those kind of drills because over time that really hard shot or that really hard defend shadow over your head will become a lot easier. So it's almost working on stuff that's completely out of the air that you don't usually do to make the other stuff become a lot simpler. Mm -hmm. Did you go about doing this through setting up your own training packs or using training packs that already exist? Like how did you, how did you find those things or how were you able to replicate or, or train those things for yourself as you were ranking up? Uh, I've never made a training pack. A lot of it is coming from other pros or streamers that recommend stuff. Um, some like King Randy makes a really good shooting pack. Um, some some coaches make really good defense shadow packs. I forget the name of them, but it's it's stuff that you wouldn't you've seen a game up at this level, and like you need to be able to do it. I started doing that a while ago, and when I finally got to the level that I am now, it it felt comfortable. It felt like everyone else has a tough time with this, and I'm getting I don't know nine out of ten reads, and it's just mm. helping. So, but those were always from other people's training packs. It's not like you went out of your way to make something of your own. Yeah, no, in my mind, I, I look at them and I'm like, they're already pioneering their way. Um, my, my job in this game is to replicate and then branch out. Um, mm -hmm. I, I'm trying to play catch up and like get to a level where I feel like I can compete and then start to do my own thing. I'm, I'm kind of getting there, but not really. Like it, it's, it's a weird thing because like I, I feel close to the top people, but I'm, I'm so far away at the same time. So it's interesting. What are you so far away? And that... That is the, I, well, I'm just going to say it, that that's the most frustrating thing about this game overall is as you get better, those small gaps are even wider, right? Like you, you say it's small, but that little small thing is almost the, the width of the Nile River. Like it's a huge thing, but it's such a like little tiny thing. So what are what are the differences that you see, and I'm sure you can see them, but why does it make the difference so wide? It turns into capitalization for the other team. Um, for you not doing something to the most optimal point will be in turn on the other team be punished for. Um, so if you're a champ two playing against a GC, they're they're better at punishing you than you are for them, um, mm -hmm. and that just goes up the whole scale. So like making a simple mistake is in like turning weird or like giving a little too much space. That space, if, if first killer's on the team, he's scoring. Right. Like just that little bit of space is what they need to do whatever they want. So it's almost just as much because the other team is capable of so much more that the tiniest mistake can lead to a lot of danger. Yeah, whether it be a goal or an unfavorable position, it always leads to something bad because they know they they can read it, they can use it, and they have the mechanics to do what they want with it. Mm -hmm. And that that's where the whole making the best decision comes into play because like they just do the right thing more often. And that's yeah, yeah in comparison to me, like I if I'm having a good day, it's it's weird because I can like I don't want to say kind of compete, but I'm I feel close to them. And like I can play in a lobby and like not feel like I'm holding anyone back in like a pro lobby, but but my good to bad days is like half. 
So if I hop in on a bad day, I feel like I'm ruining their experience. <laughs> like it turns into this mm-hmm. really chaotic. Um, but like their their bad days are like still better than me. That's mm-hmm. that's the big thing. So right. Well, and again, I guess that would just go back to consistency then. Yeah. Like sure. it would would you say it's a consistency thing for you? Yeah, I would I would say that's a lot of it. Um I feel like I a lot of times when I'm playing in a game, um I know what's wrong as soon as it happens, but it's like why am I doing that? It's a bunch of habits and like bad consi- like I I have a general idea of like what's what's going on. It's just I can't execute to that level of consistency like you're saying. Okay. Could, uh... That's really interesting because I feel like you said, I I get what you're saying, and yet I feel like it almost contradicts itself a little bit because you're talking about consistency, but at the same time you're talking about uh, decision making. So, is consistency part of your decision making? Then I would say so. Yeah. Yeah, because so like feel I like how. Ever since season one came out, though, you've been SSL, yeah? Yeah. When when season one was done or like when season one first got started, where where were you living rank-wise, like MMR-wise? Uh, still around like 1900, 2K. Right okay, so you, you've been kind of in the same range for the past three seasons then. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So do you... Uh, putting your feet to the fire a little bit, do you feel like you have improved since season one? Uh, see that that's that's a weird question because like I, I feel I definitely feel like I have, but it's harder for me to execute because I'm not playing as much. Mm. So okay. yeah, yes and no. Like my game decision has almost gotten better, not almost, but like it's definitely getting better. But because I'm I'm putting in like I don't know sometimes eight hours a week or like two weeks, which isn't a lot, and then sometimes mm-hmm. forty. It's very inconsistent for me. Okay. So right now it's it's just as much the the inconsistency of being able to play and and get those regular reps that might be getting in your way. Yeah, there's that, and there's also another factor. Uh, every every season for the last three seasons, I've hit in two K and kind of just stopped. Um, I don't know. I haven't really seen much use beyond that, but I, I that's part of a problem. Is I think that I should just go for it. Because I'm you almost should, stopping wait, as soon as just go like, for it. like as soon as I get to 2000 MMR, I just stop playing. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I, re- I reached my goal, and like, that's the thing. My goal has been the same for the last couple seasons, so like, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, I want to, I want to work on that this season. I kind of just realized that I was talking to a buddy the other day, and he's like, "Why do you always stop queuing?" I'm like, you know, what? I don't know. <laughs> that's a good question. I might as well like push past that because uh, the only way to get better at that is to play games at that level and start going down and up. So, yeah. Would you say that do you do you think that you have the same motivation for the game that you used to have? Yeah, I would. I, I'd say it's it's weird because it's it's both. It's I, that conversation we're talking about where I feel close, but so far, and that definitely gets frustrating at times. Like those good days and bad days. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Do you do you? And you mentioned like you you kind of want to go for it or see if there are some opportunities with colleges or or something to that effect. Do you have an overall goal for the game, like where where you really want to see yourself go? 
not really. Uh, I just really like the game, and I definitely want it to pertain the game, whether it be coaching or playing. That's why I kind of opened up to coaching is because I feel like I know quite a bit about the game. It's just this is hard to put in the same amount of hours and, like, get up there to that level. But I can definitely help other people achieve that goal. Mm-hmm. So I am going to not college for it, but there's a team at the college I'm going to. Um, I got mm-hmm. a couple offers on the East Coast that I kind of turned down just because it was too far. Mm-hmm. And the teams weren't ideal. But, yeah, I definitely think I could go somewhere with it. It's just a matter of, like, how much I want it. Right. Actually actually putting in the effort to I, – I feel like it's just as much, you know, stepping up the level of effort or intention that you have with the game to to continue kind of growing in, in that direction. Yeah, that and there's almost a level of discipline that I think is needed. Um I was thinking about the other day, I'm like, I'd rather have 40 good hours in two weeks than 80 spam hours of just spamming games. Like, I think it's better to have intention when you play with shorter hours. What were you going to say? Well, I I wanted to agree with what you were saying because, you know, again, it's not necessarily a culture that I'm a part of, but I've heard people talk about you know, with some teams, oh, you got to be getting in your hours. You got to be getting in your hours and putting your time. And that's great. And it really depends on what you're doing with those hours and what you're doing to actually put in time. Because I, I'm, I wonder that especially people that are already at the top of the leaderboards that are already, you know, in, at that 1950, 2000 MMR, do they really, when they're quote unquote putting in time or working on the game, do they actually know what they're doing or what they can do to continue to improve? Or is it just, uh, I'm putting in hours because I'm supposed to be putting in these hours because that's the expectation of my teammates? Like, is it is it really continuing to be intentional? And, you know, Justin... Sometimes I think leading up to the major had like 10 hours in a week or, you know, I heard people, some people say Mist was only putting in, you know, 10 hours a week, but he's still missed. So is there this kind of weird uh, fallacy that you need to be putting in 40 or 60 hours a week to be getting good at this game when really if you're putting in 15 or 20 really intentional hours of practicing and working hard that a lot of good can come out of that. No, I I think the intentional hours can actually be better in some cases. Um, That's, I I don't have like an equation for this, but if I'm watching a like replay review for an hour of uh, rank two V two and pros top 10, let's say, I I think that's miles better than playing my own two V two game sometimes, but it's, it's how much is that worth? You know, like that could be worth five times as much. If I watch an hour of that, Maybe that's the same as playing for five hours straight. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think being more intentional with it, and it depends too, because sometimes you're you're feeling that day like, hey, I know what I'm doing today. I've been feeling really good. It's just putting like the execution into play, and mm-hmm. that's that's when you play rank. That's when you play to get higher, and then you start getting that better competition. You'll punish more mistakes, and then mm-hmm. it forces more mistakes out of you, and then it's that cycle. So I think it's getting, for me especially, it's getting to that level where I want to be, knowing I can get to that next rank if I'm playing the way I want to and then doing it. How how important 
do you feel like it is to actually play play games like do you feel it's almost more advantageous for you to be spending time in training or working on something or watching replays as opposed to playing right now uh i i would put more precedence on the replays for sure especially if you want to get better um both both will definitely help though you don't need to watch any replays put in six thousand hours and you can get the 1800 that's that's not an issue um i do think there's a healthy mix though i think it's you don't want to overload your brain so if you're working on something say boost management or like pad routes or maybe positioning you want to watch a couple replays of that and then spend a couple games or hours in trying to implement that so it's almost like going back and forth and trying to fixate on one part of your game and getting that muscle memory and then going back into replays and say like, okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. If somebody I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to just think of endless, endless questions that are kind of asking the same thing. There are a lot of folks that are around like the platinum diamond pushing into champ level that listen to this podcast that, that, I mean, it seems like you moved through those ranks pretty quickly. So in, in terms of, and I guess quickly, maybe just because I, let me ask you this first in your, I'll call it your heyday when you were just really grinding and moving up through the ranks, how much time were you spending in the game each week? Would you say? Uh, if I had to, I was playing on Xbox, so I, I couldn't like track the hours. Sure. Um, but if we're talking like maybe three hours a day, maybe okay. five days a week, I was putting at least like 15 to 20. Okay. So nothing like crazy. I mean, three hours a day is still a good amount. But yeah, it not, yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it's definitely a lot. <laughs> yeah. But it, I mean, there were certainly some people that, you know, were uh in in high school or younger or maybe like early college that would do you know a normal day of school and then come back and spend like a full work day in rocket league at the same time yeah um so it was a lot but it wasn't like five or six hours a day or something ludicrous like that yeah some days it was but i'd say on average it was three to four okay so then in that kind of time uh, you know, what would, what would you say you really did? I guess, what was your process in, in ranking up on a, like, what was your, what was your process to move through diamond into champ into mid champ two, three, what did that look like in terms of the routine that you had for yourself? The routine was, the watching the 1v1s and doing that stuff a lot of a lot of what i played in that time was 1v1s um because i i know to myself if i make a mistake that i'm probably getting scored on and that it's instant feedback from my brain so it was 1v1s back then because the training wasn't as good on xbox as it is pc for everything mm -hmm. um the other thing too is just power shots just simple but effective power shots getting getting hard touches putting it in places where you want to um i Another thing that interested me when I started the game, it was kind of like chess. I would watch Fairy Peak play against uh, Kate Op or something in a 1v1, and he was almost thinking about it like chess. He was like, oh, if I put this ball behind him, what is he going to do? And then it was like deep layered thinking, and that mm -hmm. also intrigued me. 
So I'll just spend a lot of time watching that. I'm like, okay, at my rank, what are these people going to do? It's not what I, I think should happen. It's what it's almost trying to read them. Mm-hmm. And then a little yeah. bit of what should happen. Did you have, have you played a lot of chess? Uh, I have not, but I really want to, like it interests me. I just haven't spent a lot of time on it. Okay. I was just curious since you mentioned, yeah, I don't, I don't know why I use that analogy <laughs> it, because like that, that's what I think of when I think of chess though, is like layered thinking. Like I know what it's all about. I just have never put much time into chess. I've actually gotten to have a bit of an interest in chess recently because I like the strategy of rocket league. I like the idea of getting better at a game, but you know, chess just takes the, it's more strategy thinking, uh, kind of putting all the, no pun intended, putting the pieces together, but it takes out the mechanical side of rocket league where, you know, I'm spending my time more on learning the strategy learning how everything works together, looking at what is a good decision, what is a bad decision. Uh, because honestly, like that is the one thing that I've been working on in Rocket League as of late is just making better decisions. Uh, and chess right now, I can learn how to make good decisions. Basically, it's just learning how to make good decisions and not worrying about uh, you know being able to do a flip reset or do an air dribble or how to read balls coming off the wall or something like that um so i mean if you enjoy decision making if you enjoy just like the strategy process of something um and clearly you're a competitive person that likes to get better at things chess is i mean chess is a very enjoyable game um anyways so going back to the 1v1 uh when when would you say that you really started adding in 2v2s and 3v3s to like a consistent time or like your rotation of games that you would play as well. What rank were you in one V one? In season nine was the first season I started playing. I got to diamond season 10. I got the champ three and then season 11 was when I first hit GC. That, that was when I got GC in ones, but not GC in both the other game modes. And that's when I really was like, Hey, I need to get these other two ranks up. I don't know why. I just kind of wanted to get them up because I wanted to put it in the practice. I know I kind of thought to myself, I'm like, yeah, competitive is 3v3. I really like 1v1, but 3v3 has a lot more opportunity and I'm going to be on a team eventually. So I need to kind of start putting this into practice. So what was that transition like, or what was that process like of taking, being a GC in 1v1? So obvious, clearly having some good Rocket League skills, but then adding that to a completely different landscape? I Definitely kind of a smack in the face a little bit. The transition was weird because I didn't have anyone to like talk me through what was going on. Um, I went from playing – I was a very slow player when I first started getting better in ones. Like I played like a more flakes play style. Um, mm-hmm. So that that's a hard transition to make because a lot of times in a 3v3 opportunity, I'm trying to dribble and try to beat a couple people and set up for my teammates when like I don't have the time for that. I'm either going to get demoed from behind or just forced insta early. And there's no point in dribbling slow in in some cases. So that kind of hit me in the face a little bit. I definitely had to rebrand that. And then I wasn't even like open to passing when I first started playing. More so just because it was ranked. Um, uh-huh. But I joined a couple of teams uh, like a year or two ago. And that was one of the biggest issues we faced was passing. They're like, why aren't you passing? I'm like, I, I'm not even looking for it. I'm like, my bad. <laughs> and I started <laughs> looking for the passes. I'm like, oh, this actually is a lot more fun. Like, I'm glad that I have all that 1v1 
in my arsenal. Um, I'm more of like a ground player, uh, a lot of like flicks, uh, dribbles, uh, power side cuts, and all that stuff. So I would do that a lot in my three v three games. But I'm glad now that I have both in my arsenal. How were you able to use those skills that you had as a one v one player to aid you in you know building those other skills? Like what what do you feel like you had in your arsenal that made it easier to transition into a two v two or more team dynamic? Yeah, uh, the first option was ball control. Overall, I just felt like because I had all that time on the ball in a one v one situation, I have fifty percent of the game to myself. I feel like that's a huge skill set because I feel comfortable with what I want to do with it. I know where they are. I feel very aware. Um, the second part to that is really good defense because I'm always on the back foot. It's, you're playing defense half the game, playing offense half the game. So you are always on your back foot. You're always putting that last man positioning. Um, anytime I was on a team and I'm left in like a, a 1v2 or a 1v3 and my teammates are like, oh, sorry. Like sometimes I'll save the ball. Like, dude, what are you like? How? <laughs> mm-hmm. I just, I felt comfortable in those situations when I, I really shouldn't have like, I don't know. What are so taking that to the next level, looking at maybe some of your teammates that you would be playing in a 2v2 or a 3v3? What do you what are some deficiencies or what do you what are some common mistakes you see players make that might be like 3v3 mains or 2v2 mains that you you don't make as a 1v1 player coming into 2v2 and 3v3 that really benefit you? Yeah, I was going to say intention, but I'm going to narrow it down a little bit. I think taking 50s. Um, I feel like 3-3 players, on on average, are scared to take 50s. A lot of time it's boom ball. It's, uh, hey, this guy's coming at me. I need to get this ball away. Mm-hmm. Um, but by the time you bang it down, no one like no one on your team can get there, and now they just have free possession. So that play obviously doesn't work out. Uh, what, what a lot of people don't realize is if you take a 50 and in your half, like closer to the net, the better, because – they're less likely to overextend the opposition. So if you take a 50, your teammates typically behind you and then they can just follow up and they get a free ball. And now it's a two V two with possession on your team instead of a three V three with possession on the other team. I know that sounds like a lot, but it's more of like a calm thing, not a, a ranked thing. Now, did you say, did you say taking a 50, 50 closer to your net, like your defensive net? Yeah, typically away from the net, you know, not in front. But if if you're yeah. comfortable with a fifty and you know where to like, that's that's what I'm talking about. If you know where to angle a fifty and you know you're, uh, I don't know, you say you're dribbling up to the left side of the wall and your teammates typically like behind you, offset a little bit to the right, you can angle that ball fifty to the right and he gets a free possession with like an air dribble opportunity. Mm-hmm. Something it, like that. It's funny that you say that because that's something that I've been trying to do more just in general in in my games is if I don't have an opportunity to just like get a big clear that will actually benefit us, I will try and catch the ball if it's in our corner or somewhere like on our defensive side and play for a 50 because I, I feel like that can lead to more advantageous opportunities uh, than just you know, hitting the ball away. And especially at my rank, what a lot of people will do is if I am trying to dribble the ball up the field and they might be, you know, I want to make sure if, if they're like parallel to me and then coming to try and challenge the ball, they will end up pinching the ball with me and sending it on to their side of the field. Yeah. So I, I feel like I do that. I think sometimes my, it makes my friends nervous 
because you know 50s can be a little nerve-wracking where they would rather just boom the ball down the field but i i want to keep the ball for us so it's a little untraditional but it can lead to better things like if you get a 50 and then your your teammate can continue that possession and then you've already gotten one player out of the way potentially two if they're crowded yeah, no, no, for sure. I, I think that's actually great that you're working on that. Um, I know it can be kind of frustrating when your teammate comes behind. I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're playing comms or just ranked, but ranked is a different animal. It's it's hard mm-hmm. to trust your teammates. That's why I really like playing 2v2. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it transitions really well into 3v3 because there is some passing and some kind of like rotation around your teammate, and you can still go for those solo plays. Mm-hmm. And your teammate's less likely to double commit with you because they're like, hey, if I double commit and this doesn't work out, we're kind of – we're on our back foot. So you got to, I don't know. I, I just like 2v2 better in terms of uh, getting better at the game. I don't know what kind of game modes you tend to play. I I am a 3v3 just like only pretty much. <laughs> like I, I've spent the majority of my Rocket League career only playing 3v3 for sure. Yeah. Is it that you don't like the other game modes or you just feel like that's your game mode? You feel the most comfortable, like you know what you're doing? Uh, maybe I would, I think it would be more just like, that's, that's what I do. As, as I've been talking to Raptor and now talking to you and just the different ways of looking at 1v1, like I, and, and honestly that I've been, you know, playing some chess as well. Like I feel like I'm more open to playing 1v1 because it i i look at it more as like a a training ground or you know working on specific skills that can truly benefit you greatly in the other ranks um but in terms of like why i've played 3v3 i think it's just because it's what i've enjoyed and it's what i've played and so I I feel like I can get the skills that in the in the training that I need to out of 3v3 but then at the same time you know if I want to work on something or if I want to practice something I can get that out of free play or a training pack and then take that back into 3v3. Yeah. I think no, I mean, that's fair that's that's definitely one way to do it I'm not going <clears> to <throat> Oh sure yeah no I and I, I don't necessarily think that that's where it was coming from, but you know, I think that um, having, I, th- I think at the end of the day, it's more just like comfort level. And of course, you know, I do have the stereotypical, I don't enjoy uh, being the sole responsibility for everything that is happening on the field in a one v one, and especially as somebody that. Uh, can miss things that I shouldn't miss or just get a little frustrated at doing stupid things. Uh, having a little bit of backup in a three V three game feels pretty good too. Yeah. You know, for sure. I can definitely see that. Uh, yeah. I want to talk about another point too. I, I actually remember why I started playing a lot more ones back then, and especially now. Yeah. Um, let's hear it. I was, I was always playing two V twos. Cause I, I don't know. It was just like the middle gameplay. I clicked on it. I'm like, this is fun. Because, like, I'm getting a mixture of both. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever my teammate would play bad, and th- this sounds pretty egotistical, but when I when he makes a mistake or something, all I'm thinking is, like, oh, I'm better than this rank. I would I would go prove it. 
I would go play ones and I'd get to uh, whatever rank I was going for or just get better. Um, the, the funny thing back then, too, was your, your ones rank wasn't supposed to be higher than your other game modes. There's almost one or two dipped below on average. Right. Um, so the fact that mine was one or two higher than the rest of my gameplay kind of said something to me. I'm like, I'm just going to keep playing this and get really good to the point where I don't need to worry about game sense stuff and I can just grind up and then I'll start worrying about that. Like, I really just want to focus on myself so that I know what I need to do mm-hmm. in every single game. Like, I'm just past the level of whatever that that game was that I didn't have to worry about losing. And I, I think like, I can also remember um, like King Ranny when he was, I mean, he's been SSL in and really, really good at ones for such a long time. I can remember when he kind of hit his not peak, but got to the point where he was like, okay, now I need to start working on these other things because I want to improve at twos and threes. And he started working on his air game. He started working on his aerials because it just, his ground game was good, but it wasn't necessarily going to be the thing that was going to push him to the next level in, in twos and threes. But at the same time, he had such a foundation of car control, ball control, understanding of the ball that, um, you know, adding all these other skills in became a lot easier or a lot. It it happened a lot faster, but he was still, you know, having to put in a decent amount of time to like get them there. But it was just more repeating the process than kind of trying to figure out what was really going to be next, if that makes sense. Yeah, because he had that foundation of like what what he feels in his aura of playing in that game. It's like ball control and all that other stuff just helps him make other everything else kind of like fall into place. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, he has to put in the hours for it, but he has that level of I know I can do this and I can't do that. Right, you know, it helps. Do you feel like now as you have gotten to where you're getting, if there's something that you want to improve on, if there is something that you want to get better at, it doesn't necessarily come easier, but you have at least an understanding or a process of how to go about doing that. Like the, the execution feels a little bit more comfortable to you now since you've uh, you know, gone through this process of getting better at something so many times. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's definitely a factor is uh, this also ties back to what you're saying about those mechanics in the higher level lobby. Um, you're talking about how it's easier once you're up there because you have all those other mechanics that kind of build off of it. I, th- I think that definitely relates. Mm. Do you, so in, in terms of, okay, so say you wanted to be, a higher level or a top tier college player really be able to compete with uh, some of these higher level college teams or college players. Obviously that's going, it's, it's clearly going to take effort. There's, there's no argument there, but I think the, the more curious thing for me is what that looks like in terms of time and just the effort that you're going to have to go through to get there. So if, if you really want to improve at something, do you have this kind of innate understanding that like, oh, this is this is where I'm at with this. This is what I need to work on. I know it's going to be at least a month till I'm going to see what I want to see on the other end of this. 
or is it just like, you know, oh, this is going to take me a week or you sit down to really work on something and it might just take a day. Like, do you have an understanding of what those things kind of take you or is it just kind of item by item or thing by thing? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. Definitely. I'll, I'll get done a game. I'm like, oh, I think I messed up like three first touches on that game. Um, and then I just go into a workshop or something to fix it. Uh, what you're saying with the whole time frame thing is kind of tricky. Uh, I might have an idea of like when it'd be, I don't think it'd be too long, but I know that I can end up getting it eventually. So it should come in like due time kind of thing. And that I, I know what to work on and it's pretty set in stone. Mm-hmm. I, I think, and this goes back again to what you were saying before about the difference in between you, like where you're at and where, you know, a pro player might be at, or maybe the people that are the next level above you are at. And I I think having an understanding or an ability to, um, I don't, I don't necessarily know how I want to say this, but just like gauge the difference in between your play and, and maybe where you want to be and, that consistency or that um, like the good day, bad day thing. I don't, I don't necessarily know where I'm trying to go with this, but I I think um, having, being able to make your bad days better. Let me, let me just ask you this. Like, what is it, what is it going to take or what does it look like for you or, if you had to summarize what the process might look like or what the feel is going to be of making your bad days better on a more consistent basis, like what, what would you start doing or what is, what is the action plan going to be? How long would you expect to, for that to take? Or do you have a timeline of what that would take? Or do you even like think about it in terms of timelines or is it just like, I, one day you wake up and you're like, okay, I, I feel like I've finally made it there. Or what does it like to really feel, uh, something has been accomplished in terms of getting better for you because you're already at such a high level in the game. Does that like, that yeah, yeah, lot. that makes sense. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, I, this is kind of a downer, but there's a, there's a bit of demotivation once you get up here because for me to get better at something, I'm not going to see improvement for quite a bit of time. Like that time frame you're talking about, like there's people playing for six years for a reason. Like they're, they've just been consistently getting better. And from them for the last month, I don't think they really look at it as in like, Oh, I got better, but they probably have. So in my mind, I'm, I'm getting better, but it's hard to really track that because the levels now are, I need to put in more hours to produce less output, which is mm-hmm. the issue that tends to happen. Um, the thing you talked about earlier too with the floor, I think it's very important because I'm just going to use an example. Say you say you uh, backflip five times or something, which isn't really a mechanic or a game sense thing. You want to make sure that that never gets beyond three. Like that's that's what I'm talking about with the floor. Like those little mistakes that that are made that you know they're there, but like it's just like a habit or like the game is five minutes, so like a lot of stuff can happen. Um, it's just making sure that it happens less, not necessarily vanishes because like I, I still go for that corner boost every now and then when my opponent's shooting on an open net and I just have to laugh it off. I'm like, why don't like, why did I just do that? Yeah. <laughs> like I know better. Like I look at it as soon as I went for that boost, I'm like, I am a greedy little, like I, it's, 
it's funny. So I just have to try to like get that narrowed down. I still do that maybe once a game, but it's getting that down to, oh, maybe let's try to get that down to like one every other game or something. Mm-hmm. But to go to go from to do that 10 times a game to five is a lot easier to go from one to zero, you know? Yeah. So I think that's where the whole demotivation thing comes up. But I think that's the beauty of Rocket League is because people at that rank who have that motivation and really figure out like, hey, like I know what I want to do. That's when they go pro. That's when they sit down and they're like, I have what I need for this game and I'm going to do it. Because this is kind of like the final test, I'd say, of like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't want to say that I'm close. Like I was saying earlier, I, I feel there on my on my great days when I'm popping off and I'm in a lobby full of like all NRG phase players. Like I actually feel pretty good. But it's just those off days with the floor that I'm really trying to raise is what my focus point is. So then how do you, how do you stay motivated when you can't – see anything when you can't feel anything when it's when it's that minute or how do i mean how do you even know is it is it purely just based off of mmr then like oh man like now i'm consistently holding 2050 instead of 2000 i've clearly been able to improve kind of yeah i I think that's also the time frame that's why i'm saying it's tricky because like a three month time frame is easier to see than a one week you know so but for me for three months three months is a lot of time that's a lot of time to just sit back keep doing your thing and not question yourself on like oh am i in the right path so i think that's where it gets a little a little tricky but i i think it's how you feel in the game um if i'm playing a 2v2 game and i feel like i have more control and i feel like all these opportunities are just like showing themselves to me and that i can execute that day that's when i know that i'm i'm playing my peak and like I'm playing well and like this is the direction I want to go and I, I think I just try to get back to that point as much as I can and try mm. to stay plan and just try to all these aspects that I'm like decent at you could say like I don't know maybe it's flicking or dribbling or air dribbles or something even though I'm decent my goal is just to get better and it, I want to make sure those the floor is raised and even if I'm hitting it nine out of ten times I want to hit it nine point three out of ten times so I, it, it seems to me that you are pretty clear on, I mean, you're pretty aware of when you're feeling good and when you're feeling bad. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What are, what are the differences or what are the big things that you see in between your good days and bad days? The biggest difference I would say is that opportunities just kind of like present themselves. And that's when I feel like my decision-making is at its peak. Um, it's, I almost have more options in my head going through everything makes more sense. And I'm, I'm always putting the play in a better position than when I started it. Uh, that's something I talk about a lot when I do coaching is that like, you don't have to score off this touch. You don't have to do anything off this touch, but it's just putting yourself in a better position. And on those days where I feel like I'm playing really well, I'm putting myself in a, I just keep elevating that play. I just keep putting myself in a better spot. I keep making it awkward for the team and it's like relentless pressure. So it's, it seems like you really have a good understanding of the difference then. Yeah, no, I'd say I do. It's, it's, it's really just the floor. Um, there, I'm not going to sit here and say I know everything because there's, there's so much this game I don't know. But there, there's an aspect of that too for sure where there's a little bit like I, I start to question these plays. I'm like who is supposed to be there or who, who rotates back on where and it's like these middle ground plays. 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely also something that like pros just know. Like that just that looks like a simple equation to them. That they're mm-hmm. just like, oh yeah, that guy, that guy turns here, he goes up here. It's so simple. I'm just like, oh yeah, huh, right. <laughs> like for sure. I don't know. Oh, so part of it is just a, a deeper understanding of the game. Yeah, how it's supposed to be played. Like I, I was playing a twos game with gimmick. Uh, I think a couple days ago, I haven't I haven't played dudes with him ever, so I don't know. I played, and I went into the game. I think it might have been like AJ and someone else on the other team. So like it was a it was a pretty it was gonna be a good game. Um, it's like another pro, and then another like eighteen fifty, and he played so well. And I during the game, I felt like I wasn't supporting him well. Like it felt like he was in the right spot, and I would I would like get fifty by the ball, and he was left, and I could have passed it a, a second ago. Um, there was there was stuff in the game where he was noticing these opportunities that like I wasn't keeping my eyes open for. Mm-hmm. I, I think that really uh, shown to me. I, like there's there's a there's a couple really really good pros and twos that do that. Um, yeah, like Mile or Chicago and Gimmick, like they all take these opportunities and they they just find these ways of scoring. And it, I, I find that really interesting. That's something I've really been trying to focus on lately. But that was more. Uh... That was a solo queue game, though, right? That wasn't. Yeah, uh, you were. Yeah, but like they they game. expect that. Like if they have another pro on their team, they're hitting that pass um, right. without comms. Like they just understand what can happen on it on such a more intricate level. Like what they want to do with it. Like they just, I don't know. They have all these. They just have better. They take advantage of their opportunities better. If I had to really try to simplify it, but sure. Yeah. How many times have you watched that replay? A lot. I watch it back. I, I like. I watch from his POV because I want to. I like. I want to see what he's seen, and I try to like pretend that I'm him, and I'm just like going through his decision making. Yeah, that's I, that's helped me the most in the last couple months is like trying to watch a replay through their point of view and just really really question everything. And are you actually are you actually seeing things that or noticing things that you might not have noticed? before or you know seeing him doing things that you're like what why is he or he's doing that but i would not have done that like are yeah. there are there examples of that like very explicit one and i feel like you already kind of said it but i was just so fascinated by the general idea of it that i wasn't necessarily maybe taking in the details yeah i it's it seems like they receive information better um and they like they take that information and just use it in a better manner uh, when I watch that replay, he was doing some positional stuff that because the opponents were doing X, he was then positioning it Y. Mm-hmm. Like it was a very cause and effect type of positioning, which which I feel like people do. People are like, oh, like I have the ball, but he he really narrows it down into where he should be. It's like, oh, maybe he's facing this way, so I'm going to turn my car a little bit this way and be really ready for this 50. Mm-hmm. Like he just over-exaggerates everything and like – yeah, he, he picks out key details, finds out the like most likely to happen in a play while still playing safe and then mm-hmm. plays to the best of his ability, which he's insane at. But who are who are the people that you were playing against? It was me and Gimmick against AJ and someone else. So like it was it was one pro on each team. Okay, so I'd argue so- two like two decent pros in the lobby. And then it was me, I was around eighteen fifty at the time. This was like four or five days ago and there was another 1850 at the team on the other team it was a 2v2 game so like the, the teams were fairly equal 
Mm-hmm. It was like a it was like someone who's someone who's decent in the game and then a pro. Yeah. So it was it was an interesting way the game played out because it was how well can we mimic their their play style and like really support them while also not putting them in a bad position. And again, so kind of looking at that in terms of just Rocket League as a whole, you know, the gap in between you and a pro, even though the MMR gap might not be that big, is is so wide. So I, I think, you know, you take a game where you have a couple pros on each team and what they're capable of doing and how they play the game and how they analyze the game, like in the actual game. And then maybe if you just had a game full of 1850 level players, the mechanics are going to be different. The decision-making is going to be different. And, and so it's almost like you are used to playing that 1850 level game where gimmick is used to playing that 2000, 2100 level game so of course he's going to make different decisions he's going to be setting himself up in a different way than what you're used to um and and so he would be doing things that you would not necessarily normally expect or or understand yeah yeah no i definitely think that's it um I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at anyone but like there's people that get into those lobbies with two other pros on their team with like one pro on their team and they, they just kind of look at themselves. They're like, how am I supposed to win this? Um, I think that outlook is horrible. I, like I, in that entire game, all I'm, all I'm thinking about is like, what am I doing different and how can I support him to the way that he he's thinking? Because I want to try to like think through his eyes and like try to really see some opportunities that I'm not seeing at my level because like I'm not up there. And if we're talking last season, Monkey Moon being 2024, 20, 2500. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, I, no, no, I think he was like 100 something MMR above anyone else. That's crazy. Yeah, but so, you know, I'm a, like, he's, he's maybe getting three or four MMR off each game, right? Uh-huh. He's beating other pros that are top 10, and he's 100 MMR higher than them. That, that always, I, he's, he's like the one guy I watch a lot because I don't understand, like, that just, that's crazy to me. Someone's 100 MMR higher, and they're getting three or four MMR per game. That means he's doing that stuff that much more consistently to be winning that many games. He's winning 70 or 80% of his games. And probably losing 15 to 20 when he loses. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that he's at that much of like a higher MMR baffles me. And I always watch his replays because I'm like, this guy is just better. <laughs> well, I, I, think, I think that can go back to, I mean, again, and I, I – we'll say this till the cows come home like BDS just had NRG's number. They could, they could play th- 10 more series of seven, like fully rested. Everybody's ready to go. And I feel like NRG would maybe take one or two of them. BDS yeah, yeah. was just playing a different game. And yeah, I they- think that can, that shows again, by what you're saying of monkey moon, having a hundred MMR more, than everybody else because like i i think there's there's the ability to not make mistakes mechanically like he's doing everything right when he needs to do it and then not doing anything that he doesn't need to do yeah he's not he's not complicating it um i I think that's a, a a great takeaway from that i mean there's a reason turbo is one for four worlds um mm-hmm. you watch him play like nothing's crazy 
like uh, that sounds really rude, but he just does stuff right more than others. Right. It, it's a weird, simple way to put it, but he's he's always in the best spot, and everyone's like, oh, like I'm usually playing third man like that. And I'm like, are you really? Are you turning the way he's turning? Are you like looking the way? Like, what does he see that you're not seeing? Because it's definitely right. something. And I, you know, honestly, part of part of his recent struggles could just be that his his good decision making isn't enough anymore. You have a team like BDS that is making really good decisions, and their mechanical prowess has gone to the next level. You know, everybody has caught up mechanically with Turbo or was at the same level, and now they're just making those decisions that lead them to be just as good as him. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think there's definitely an aspect to that. I But that's that's what I really like about having game sense is because if he wants to get better mechanically, all he has to do is go into training for like the next couple of weeks. Like I don't think training is something hard to pertain, but his game sense is never going to go away. Mm-hmm. Like he just has that even on his off days where he's playing bad. If your game sense is good, it makes your mechanics easier, per se. So that's why I always stress game sense. And I think Metzenaris is an amazing example of that. Like, I remember him in an interview when maybe they won their first regional. Because I think they won two regionals this split. Did they not? Or do you pay attention to RLCS? I know they won one. I'm not sure if they won two. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely sure that they won one. I I think they might have won the third. If they didn't, then that's Wait, do you too. know if they won the other one, then the third? Because I know they won the third. Oh, I'm sure. pretty sure they won the first one. It sounded like you're looking it up. But as you're as you're looking it up, I will say that like I heard him in an interview where somebody asked him, you know, like, you've been here the whole time. But you've never been towards you've you've kind of just been here the past couple of years and all of a sudden here you are back at the top, really performing well. What's the deal? And he was like, I still had the desire to be competitive. I knew I had the capability of being competitive. I was really smart at the game and I realized that it was just my mechanics holding me back. So I went into the lab, started working on free plays, started working on training packs to really get my mechanics up. And here I am winning tournaments again. And of course, you know, having the right people around you helps too, but him, it's not like he got carried to those W's, right? So he really attributed it to knowing that he was still capable of being a good player and just getting back to it and working and he won games again. Yeah. You know, I, that's, that's such a great story, honestly, because he's, he's 23 now. Like he's one of the older pros and he just came back and he's like, yeah. I, I can work on mechanics. Like I was saying, you go into the free play and you just get better. And they did win two, which is even more astonishing. I didn't know if they won the first one or not. I just looked it up, but yeah. I think, I think that's really interesting. And I think, you know, just from, again, like an outsider's perspective, I would be extremely interested to see, you know, if you, if you were able to take, well, let me ask you this. Do you feel like you're how would you compare your mechanics to somebody like a gimmick or an AJ? Oh <laughs> if it's gimmick or AJ, I'm I'm not even close to them. In uh, there's there's some stuff they go for, like a triple or quad reset that I don't even try. 
and there's other stuff like a, a simple reset or a air dribble, but they're, I can do what they're doing in that aspect, but it's, it's all about that floor that I was talking about beforehand. Cause like, I, I know I can do it. it even like a, a 16 or 700 can do what they're doing. It's just like maybe the 1700 is doing it three out of 10 times. Maybe I'm doing it five out of 10 times and AJ is doing it eight or nine out of 10 times. Mm-hmm. So do you, do you feel like there are any pros that you are on the same level as mechanically, or do you feel like your mechanics are not at that same kind of level at this point? I, th- I think there's a couple pros that my mechanics would be similar to. Um, I, I think when I, when I say that it comes to mind, like turbo or torment or someone, but torment's gotten a lot more mechanical too. That's how he's, he's getting up. I think V1 just finished top. I forget their placement, but they were, they weren't bottom eight. Which I is feel like huge, they were top it? ten. They were just outside of getting in the major. I feel like, yeah, yeah. It, it's be like gimmicks really good. Comments not com comms really mechanical and like torment has been working on his uh, mechanics. And if I forget some some people post like six mans, uh, like the com six man stuff, mm-hmm. and like even the gameplay, like he's getting more mechanical and it shows. Mm-hmm. And he, that he that's why it's almost like a Metsonoris kind of case because he has his game <sighs> sense and defense is some of the best. And his mechanics are getting better too. So now he's going to become a problem for other teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I, I'd be curious to know, like, if you if you took the time to really commit to playing that gimmick style two v two in your games where there weren't pros, or like really kind of ingraining that in your soul, right? That play style as opposed to maybe how you play twos as it currently stands, how that would benefit you in your games, if if at all. Because, you know, I could I could watch tons of 2v2 games of Squishy and watch all of his videos and really take notes and be like, I'm going to play like this. But for me, you know, it doesn't necessarily work because I have the teammates that I have. I have the mechanics that I have. You know, it wouldn't necessarily benefit me wholly to play that way. But if you change your play style or your decision-making just that little bit to play more like gimmick, as opposed to how you've been playing, would that lead you to gaining that extra 50 or 75 MMR that you haven't had before? Like how much would that change the game for you in total? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to get a little technical. I, in terms of like psychology, you know, when you're balancing four or five ideas on, on your plate, when you're playing in a rock league game mm. um, and you add that sixth idea and it kind of like slow, it kind of like decreases everything else and makes you actually worse. Yeah. It, it makes play worse. I, I think that would happen. I think yeah. you would get worse at the game and you'd be like, Oh, why am I losing my mark? Some people would be like, Oh, that means it's wrong. And then they go back and now they're playing even worse. Cause now they're doubting themselves or, you stick with it and you say, I don't care. I know this is right. Even if my teammate's not looking at it, I'm not catering to my teammate and I'm playing because I want to build good habits. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you shoot up MMR because one, you're playing, you're getting consistent Two, you're making the right decisions time and time again. And it's just, it's just true throughout right. yourself. You don't have to think about it anymore. And that gives you time to think about other stuff that's happening in the game. Yeah. I think that's why they're so good is they're so confident with what they want to do and what they can do that they're, they're scouring the map and seeing like, Oh, how can I make this play better? And I, I think the interesting idea or the, the thing that you might not necessarily think about or 
the piece that comes along with that is you're making better decisions, but in making those decisions, you are putting yourself in positions or scenarios that you're not necessarily used to. And so you don't necessarily have the mechanics or abilities or uh, speed to handle those positions. So like you said, you think you're making a bad decision where you're really making a good decision. You just don't have the experience to handle that better decision. And so you think in some way it's wrong, but really if you spend a week or, you know, you make that decision a hundred times and then you're used to making that decision, you're used to being in that scenario, you can handle it. And then it turns into a better scenario for you overall. Yeah, exactly. With time, I feel like that scenario just becomes better because now you're you're allowing yourself the opportunity and then you're working on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would 100% rather have an opportunity and miss it than, than not have the opportunity and just sit there like, what did I do wrong? Right. And, and just know that overall it's a, it's a better decision, but I feel like at the same time that takes so much maturity and, and patience and like calm to know that like, not only it, are you making a better decision, but it, it's going to be harder for you at first. There's going to be pain through making that decision, but give it, you know, it's time and it's going to be better for you. And you have to put your ego aside because I'm a 1900 level player and I'm making mistakes or something isn't going as well as it did when I did this other thing. I don't want to be 1825 or 1850. No, I'm not one of those scrubs. So I'm going to keep on doing what I'm doing and make sure that I stay 1900. Where if you did, did go to 1825, making this better decision, you give it a couple of weeks and you could be 1950 or 1975. That's, I mean, that's so much, it's, it's complicated. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I took off of that. I had a two month stint where I thought to myself, I know everything. I'm just going to get better. That, that was the worst two months I've ever played. Yeah. I, because I, I didn't keep my mind open. I wasn't acting like a sponge that I've been acting like the entire time I've been playing every Mm -hmm. time I watch those one V one videos or YouTube video, all I'm doing is thinking, what are they doing that I'm not? And the moment I stopped that is when my gameplay just went downhill because all my blame just put it, started putting on teammates and like what I wasn't doing or my execution when sometimes it wasn't, sometimes it was, Oh, why am I not facing this way? You're realizing this. Or I, I think a lot of people get stuck up on that and they don't see that what they're doing is wrong. And there's no higher level thinking. It's just, who can I blame to make it better? Um, I know I'm ranting right now, but I also think that ties into ones too, because people don't like playing ones for that reason. I know what? you're talking about, I'm not trying to call you out, but like um, making mistakes and you're the only person in the lobby, it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating knowing that you don't have any support and that it's really just you and the other guy. Oh yeah, it's awful. Yeah, that, that's why people hate it. I, I always preach like playing ones is the best, but I, I that is really why people do not like it because it's tilting. Yeah. I mean, making, making mistakes and losing sucks. Well, and, and here's the thing is that, you know, and it, this is, this has definitely been the case for me and probably a little bit why I enjoy 3v3 so much is that you can play pretty mindlessly. Like I can go in like Rocket League over the past few weeks for me has really just been like a cool down. I've been working or I've been doing this 
and I just need like a little break. So I'm going to hop into rocket league and just play a few games and maybe hit a cool shot or get a good pass and just like have some fun or play with my friends or whatever. And in three V three, you can do that. But it like, if you're going into a one V one game in rocket league, like everything is on you. It's all your responsibility. And it's, it's not fun because you have to like work. You have to think if you do something wrong, you're getting scored on. There's nothing, there's nobody else that you can rely on. Like, that's not enjoyable. <laughs> that's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's not fun. Uh, so I, I definitely get that. And, and in terms of just ones in general, I can understand how people would avoid that because, you know, when I had, um, Wu's on the show, he's a, he is a, uh, he does IGL stuff, you know, yeah. he, he says that, you know, he really enjoys rocket league because it's his cool down time. I was like, why don't, you know, he wants to get better, but why aren't you spending more time in training? Well, I, you know, I don't, I work all day. I don't want to get into rocket league and work more. I want it to be fun. And you know, ones is work. Yeah, no, for sure. It's, it's definitely not fun if you're trying to win or hop on and have fun. <laughs> like you're saying, it's, it's very, uh, frustrating and you really got to work at it and just tell yourself, Hey, I don't care if I lose. This is what I'm coming in for. I want, like, I want to play good people. I want to lose. I want to improve. Right. Um, it's, it's tough too. Cause I, I get it. Like people want to play to have fun. And like, I feel like that's also another part of the game is that there's like casual and like there's, there's ranks for a reason. Like you can hop on and be where you're supposed to be and just have fun. Mm-hmm. So what got you out of that little funk you were in, in terms of, you know, being frustrated and, and thinking that you knew everything like what it was the worst two months you've had. How did you realize that you were in that cycle? Yeah. So I had a, uh, a buddy look over my replay and I, the, one of the first things that came to my mouth was like, why is my teammate? He's like, what, like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm like, what? I'm just blaming my teammate. He's like, yeah, that's, that's the issue. Is that like you, like you sound you sound bitter you sound sour like you're not even thinking about what you can do, um that that was one of the first like that's what I tell people when I coach them is that I don't care what your teammate did even if like they're definitely the problem it's how can you help read the play better, that's that's what makes people really good is just reading the play so like I stopped reading the play I was that also ties in with I had a I had an outlook on what was supposed to happen on every single play and that's when it became the downfall of my gameplay is when mm. I when I expected stuff to happen, um, you always want to be reading and trying to adjust and just be in the best position for the play possible. Not where you think is right or what should happen, but what, what is going to happen and what you're reading. And then if it doesn't happen, being ready for whatever is going to happen next. Yeah, exactly. Like being on that thin line of like not pushing up too far to where they can boom it across the map, but also playing close enough to where you can help support your teammate in the best way possible. Yeah. It's, it's finding that balance and yeah. Nice. Well, that's cool. I, I really appreciate that, that insight to it. And, uh, it's, I mean, I don't want to say it's good to hear that you've had bumps along the road, uh, cause I wouldn't, you know, necessarily wish that on anybody intentionally, but at the same time, it's, it's good to have that experience of going through something like that and actually being able to get through it. I think, I think the best part of it though, is just the fact that, you know, it was having somebody, some kind of support system that helped you through that. Uh, because I, I think getting somewhere is always a lot easier when you're not doing it 
by yourself. Oh yeah, for sure. Outside perspective always helps. So, like that little bit of support, like, Hey, come on. Like you've gotten this far, you know, you can definitely like keep going, mm-hmm. like just kind of take a step back. Definitely. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I think, I think that's a, I usually like to keep these around an hour lately, but there was just too many good things to talk about that we snuck over that a little bit, but I think we will uh, go ahead and start winding down. So, um, any, any final thoughts that you have for the listeners before we finish off the show? Uh, yeah, uh, play more ones and stop blaming teammates. I, th- I think that about sums it up. <laughs> I think that's good. There you go. I guess I guess we just could have gotten that in the first 10 minutes and called it there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nah, there's definitely a lot more to it. But yeah, I, I think that's some of the most helpful advice, even if you're trying to get better. Um, mm-hmm. People like playing casually, having fun, but I think that is beyond helpful. So, so then add add on to that a little bit more. If you're actually wanting to get better and playing ones, what is what is the mindset that you would take into all your ones games? Because it can be frustrating losing. It can be frustrating making mistakes. What is what is kind of the umbrella mindset or vision to have of the game as you're playing ones, so that it can be something that you can do uh, over the over the long term to continue to like still enjoy the game, even though you're putting in this work or doing something that in the short term might not necessarily be super enjoyable. Yeah, so I I would say always look for room and improvement. And that, that relates to ones in any game mode in any kind of tournament. It's even if maybe someone's not having a good day, Maybe your teammate's throwing and he's hitting the post five times over in a game. Maybe you got some bad first touches in the first minute. It's always find something for yourself to improve. Even if your teammates are having weirder in ones or something, like don't focus on winning or MMR. If you focus on improvement, the MMR will, will come. Okay, cool. So even playing ones, it's not about the dubs. It's just about the incremental gain from game to game. Yeah, exactly. Like I... I've been playing a couple of matches recently. I think I was playing against Alpha Cap, who's usually top ten in ones, and I I got beaten pretty badly. So I, I really had to look at it. I'm like, what am I doing differently? And like, I I got a little frustrated because I'm like, he's streaming to like 400 people right now. Like, just that, mm-hmm. it's a little tilting. So, but I I have to keep that mentality if I want to improve. It doesn't really matter how I feel. It matters what I want. And if I if I keep that mindset and I just want to improve, it'll it'll eventually come. Right. It's not necessarily the games that you're playing right now that matter. It's, you know, what you do with them and, and how things look in a couple of weeks after that game. Yeah, exactly. It's all about getting on that path and sticking on it mm-hmm. and saying this is, it's about improvement. It's not about, it's like I said, improvement correlates to MMR and wins, not yeah. the other way around. Right. So Nice. Where can people find you out on the internet? Uh, I stream on Twitch at twitch.tv slash redsnow underscore RL. Um, I've also had a couple show matches on Fear RL. He's a 1v1 streamer, kind oh, of yeah, similar nice. to Johnny Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's I, I definitely want to start streaming more. So if you guys want to follow me there, that'd be awesome. Yes, do that. I declare it. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, last but not least... Uh, a question for the audience. You asking a question and, and getting responses. Um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm curious with what they're working on currently. I'm curious if like they have something in their mind that is in, intentful and what they're, what's in their mind when they're playing Rocket League. I'm, I'm curious about that. Excellent. All right. Well, and you did join the Discord, so let him know he's there. If, if people wanted to hit you up in the Discord with questions or other things like that, or just any, or is that something that you're open to hearing from people about as well? Oh, yeah. No, I love answering questions. So definitely, if you have something or want to ask something, definitely hit me up. I love helping nice. people out or just having a conversation about Rocket League. It's, it's part of my life now, so I, <laughs> I like it a lot. Awesome. So, well, yeah. everybody that listens to the show, if you ever had a reason to join the Discord, there is a high-level player ready to answer those questions for you. So take advantage until he says otherwise. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I, I've really enjoyed this. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time. Um, so close to around the holiday. I appreciate it because I wanted to keep the show going, even though people are kind of putting their feet up and, and doing a lot of different stuff. So I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I hope you have a, have a lovely new year. What day is it today? So I think this is going up. Uh, oh, this is before the new year, but I hope you have a lovely, uh, new year and ho- rest of your holiday and as always red snow thank you for the boost yeah thank you for having me <laughs>